Worth repeating is made possible by the 8020 Foundation, the City of San Antonio Department of Arts and Culture, and Niche at Pearl. Welcome to the Worth Repeating Podcast. I'm Tori Poole. This is the second part of the live storytelling event recorded at the Irma and Emilio Nicolás Media Center at Texas Public Radio in downtown San Antonio. The theme was elevated, stories about high stakes and higher experiences. When was the last time you were too high? The first storyteller is Bill Baird. Bill shares a story about a journey in search of one thing and everything he found instead. Okay, 10 years ago, I was hired to be a sound man for a film to be shot in India. Uh, And when I got hired, I completely unloaded on the director because I was kind of obsessed with Hindustani classical music, the music of North India, which is characterized by a drone, not like the thing up in the sky, but an unchanging element underneath the music, which actually encapsulates their entire belief system, namely that above all the changes Happening in our physical world, there's an unchanging element. You could call it God, Brahman, or whatever. And when when the director heard my impassioned speech, he said, let's make the movie about you. And um, (laughs) I said, uh, well, I'm not an actor, but fuck it. So the movie was called The Origin of Sound, and it was the search for the Nada Brahma, uh, the unstruck sound, the sound inside of your mind. And the film was going to be me, you know, just journeying through, journeying through India and becoming enlightened along the way. Uh, now, as somebody who hates cliches, I realized I'd stepped into the most one of the one of the whoppers, uh, baby boomer fantasy of the white guy going to India in flowing robes, you know, smoking spliffs and uh, you know, in the breeze and you know, on his gentle road to enlightenment. What I actually found was the polar opposite at every step of the way, a series of mishaps, miscommunications, and missed opportunities. But therein lies the lesson. I started in Varanasi. It's one of the oldest cities in the world uh, where they, people bathe in the Ganges River. It's a, one of the holiest of activities below the Ghats where they do public cremations. I got in the river and Got a lot of weird looks because I was wearing my old navy boxers and I got laughed at and I got in the river and I felt nothing. Then I went to a sitar school, literally got laughed out of the sitar school. Then I saw some cool looking monks, the Agoris, next to the Ganges River. They were smoking some pot, so I said, hey, I'll join in. But then I found out that these guys like to have sex with dead bodies. So I said, uh, no, let's, let's not do that. So moving on. I went to Rishikesh. Rishikesh, home of the Beatles. I first went to a place that actually turned out to be a cult. And what was the dead giveaway? A guy giving a speech in front of a giant, you know, portrait of himself. 
and the place was filled with not a single Indian. It was all like yoga instructors from Brazil. So that was that didn't happen. Then I w went to the Beatles ashram. You know, I'm a huge Beatles fan, and this place is this mythical place for me. And it seemed promising because the front gate man uh, had an eye patch in one leg. But I went inside, and it was falling apart, and again, I felt nothing. So moving on, I went to Dharamsala, home of the Dalai Lama's government in exile. But he wasn't home. <laughs> moving on. I went to Uttarkashi. I'd heard rumors of a, an enlightened man living close to the source of the holy Ganges River. Uh, we finally arrived via a very dangerous bus ride uh, through the Himalayas, and we got there, and he had gone shopping, and he wasn't uh, there. But there was a man who had been worshiping next to the Ganges, uh, for quite a long time. I didn't ask how long, but... I, and he, he worshipped Sylvester Stallone as the incarnation of Hanuman, the monkey god. <laughs> Except he pronounced it Sylvester Stylin. So that didn't work out. So we kept moving. And mind you, this is all being filmed, okay? So we got to Ajmer, the home of the largest mosque in India. Uh, and we went to their ceremony, and it was beautiful. And, um, but I, again, I felt nothing, and, you know, it was a little awkward. <laughs> I was forced to buy some elaborate flower arrangement for the holy guy. And then, after getting ushered out, after buying the flower arrangement, I, right outside of the mosque, I saw a man flipping a hamburger while taking a shit into a public water fountain. And I was kind of in shock. And then the film crew said, hey, why don't we go to this place uh, to eat? So we actually went in that restaurant. And like literally two minutes after eating, we were out on the street and I shat my pants. And I was wearing all white. I don't think it showed through necessarily, but I was being filmed, okay? And I had to walk three miles back to where I was staying. So that, that didn't exactly work out. Um, and then finally we ended up in Odaipur, the land of the lakes, for the Shiva Rotri, the night of Shiva. And it's this elaborate procession where people make a pilgrimage up to the top of a mountain to see some holy shrine that's going to illuminate your entire life and, and all this stuff. So the prince found out that we were a film crew, we we're showing up, and he got us like a motorcade, motorcycle thing. So it was beautiful. We were going through the mountains past like there are literally millions of people going up this mountain to see this Shiva statue. And it was quite bizarre because you have to drink hashish yogurt um, in order to fully experience the ritual. So I stood in this tent and these, all these guys are staring at me, like a hundred guys, while like over a cheesecloth they're 
squeezing this green powder with uh, yogurt. It's called bang lassi. Um, and out comes this green stuff, and they hand it to me. And they're like, okay, you know, son, here we go. And so <laughs> I was ushered up to the top past what looked like uh, cattle being sent to slaughter and pushed, 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 pushed. And it was insane. I was, we were running for a mile, and if I'd fallen down, I would have been trampled. And I finally got to see it, the thing at the end of the rainbow, and it was a thing about this big, about two inches big. I looked at it for a second, like, what? And I got shoved out of the way. And that was the end of the trip. And I got back home, and the film never got released. And so the moral of the story being, uh, if you're searching for the sound in your mind, you don't have to go to India to find it. Bill had an excellent takeaway, but for me, I think I learned it's never okay to eat where someone, you know. Know someone with a great story? Tell them about Worth Repeating. Worth Repeating is now accepting submissions for February's live event on the topic, Reset. From second chances to starting all over, these stories are all about restoration. Submit today by visiting tpr.org wr. This program was made possible with support from the 8020 Foundation, striving to transform San Antonio by issuing grants to public charities that attract, grow, and retain San Antonio's future workforce. For this and more information, visit 8020foundation.com. Our next storyteller is Tram Trin. Tram shares a story about how the strength of marijuana can vary by location. I'm going to take us all the way back to 2018. Yeah. Uh, Pre-pandemic. I was a young 26-year-old. I know, I'm glowing. And uh, my youngest sister was turning 18. It was her birthday, and she wanted to go to Disneyland. And I said, cool. Our other two sisters live in California. We'll do a whole girls' trip, but also... We haven't seen dad since the divorce. It's been 10 years. Do you want to have dinner with him? And then we'll go to Disneyland in the morning, so we'll be sad and then happy. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, let's do that. So we fly over to California, and we end up at my older sister's house. And I walked in. I was like, dude, I got a rowdy migraine. Do you have? And she's like, I got you, ibuprofen. No, I'm not 80. (laughs) I want weed. We're in California. I don't want prescription drugs. I want cannabis. So she hands me the pot, and I'm like, do you have a pipe? And she's like, no. And I was like, all right. Do you have a pot? You have water? Yes. Water. Plastic, preferably two-gallon milk carton. You guys get where I'm going with this? (laughs) Aluminum foil and a lighter. We are going to assemble a gravity bong. 
All right, so this is how it works, yeah? Okay, so get the pot, fill it halfway with water because you don't want it to overflow. Now you take the gallon of milk or whatever you have, cut it in half, and then from there, the top where the cap is, you want to put the aluminum foil, create a tiny little bowl, poke some holes, put the weed in there, and then slowly lower it into your pot of water. And then you light it, and as you lift, you see this beautiful, milky smoke come up, take the aluminum foil bowl off, and then you <sighs> inhale and cough. <laughs> yes, yes, because your lungs are not made for that amount of smoke. And so I'm coughing, <clears throat> I'm dying, <clears throat> they're laughing because they're terrible people. <laughs> so I'm coughing and I'm like, please don't poop yourself, don't control yourself. And I'm like, coughing, 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 and then I pee my pants. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, I peed my pants. And they're like, ha ha ha, because they're terrible people. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. And then my older sister's like, Oh my God, we're gonna be late to dinner, we gotta go. And I was like, but, okay, let's go. So we get in the car and we're driving. We get to this Asian restaurant and I haven't seen my dad in 10 years. And he looks exactly the same. Yes, because we're Asian, we don't age. <laughs> and he's there, right? Uh, my stepmom's there, she's my sister's age. Not the younger one, that would be weird, the older one. And, uh, you know, we're, I haven't seen him, right? So I kind of like go in for this hug, but we're Asian, so we don't know how to love each other. So it's like this light pat, and it's just like this weird, weird circle huddle thing. And I was like, I don't like this, let's go inside. So we all go inside. Um, and we're sitting there, and I'm like, all right, I'm still really hungry. And my dad's like, all right, I got this, family style. Everybody gets the same thing. I was like, perfect. And my sister's like, hey, hey, I've been here. The food is really spicy. We need to tone it down. Five stars to three. My dad's like, wait, no wusses. It's fine. I order the food, and then we are sitting in silence. And I'm like, this is my moment to shine. I'm going to make conversation. How's it going, Dad? Fine. All right. Well, how's work? Fine. Are you hungry? Mm. That's all he gave me, right? And uh, I was like, all right. And my older sister goes to the bathroom because she has TB, tiny bladder. <laughs> and uh, we're eating, thankfully, silently, watching everyone else have fun. And, <laughs> and then uh, my youngest sister is like, hey, dad, like, I don't have any pictures with you. It's my birthday. Can we take a picture together? And he's like, ah, OK. And so she takes out her Polaroid camera and she hands it to me. And I'm like, oh, you guys are too far. We got to scoot closer. And so she does one of those like head kneeling things, but we don't touch each other because that's weird. And then he does that like arm shoulder thing, but don't touch her shoulder because we don't know how to love each other, right? And then it's like, smile, and everyone's uncomfortable. And so we take a picture. I shake it because you're supposed to. And then I hand it to my sister. And she's like, oh, it's a picture. And then she hands it to my dad. And he's looking at this picture of the two of them, his youngest daughter, who he hasn't seen in 10 years, right? Last time he saw her, she was eight. She's 18, she can smoke cigarettes now, things have changed. <laughs> and uh, his hand starts like trembling. And then I'm like, oh my God, he's having a stroke. He doesn't have a stroke. <laughs> and then his lips start like quivering. And then he starts 
sobbing, like uncontrollably crying. And I've only seen my father cry three times in my life. He cried when my grandma died. He cried when he got his driver's license. <laughs> and he cried when he's looking at a picture that he took with his youngest daughter. And I don't know if it's because it's been such a long time and it's like a tangible thing that he's holding in his hand, but he's crying and I look over at her, she's crying. Then I look over at my stepmom and she's crying. And I'm like, oh my God, it's a chain reaction. I need to cry, they'll know. <laughs> so then I start crying and uh, my older sister comes back from the bathroom. And she's like, oh my God, are you guys okay? Is the food too spicy? <laughs> I told you, I told you. Uh, and we're like, we don't like you, okay. <laughs> so we finish dinner, it's still uncomfortable. And uh, you know, we do our like huddle tap thing because we still don't know how to love each other. And then we go home and the next morning, I'm like stretching because I'm still kind of old and I'm doing yoga and I'm in downward dog and I'm like, what is that? Why? Why am I wet? What happened? Oh, I peed my pants. <laughs> I was in piss pants. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And they let me go outside in piss pants. Um, so I guess the moral of the story is uh, don't smoke a gravity bong before you go see your dad after 10 years. But um, gravity bong, five stars. <laughs> Thank you so much, y'all. Highly instructional and informative and also a gentle reminder to empty your bong and bladder as needed. Worth Repeating returns December 12th, and the theme is Taught. From life lessons, both big and small, seven storytellers share their knowledge. These stories are sure to educate, so grab tickets by visiting tpr.org backslash WR. This program was made possible by the City of San Antonio Department of Arts and Culture, striving to enrich the quality of life of San Antonio residents and visitors by creating art programming and helping people experience art. For this and more information, visit getcreativesanantonio.com. Our final storyteller is Mark Anthony Smith. Mark shares a story about how a little bit of LSD goes a long way. So I'm 41 years old, okay? And by this, black, Asian don't raise them, black don't crack, you know? And by the sum of my life, um, I've literally taken LSD hundreds of times. Um, great for the skin, no, I'm just playing. I don't recommend it for anybody, but, um, no, I don't recommend that for anybody, but you know, it's got me where I'm at. I'm very thankful. But take a trip with me, if you will, back to 2005, okay? I'm in college. Um, I'm just out of the dorm, so I got my own house, so I can do whatever I want to do. What do you want to do? I want to do some acid. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's been kind of a short drought from about 2001 to 2004. You couldn't find it. It was a post 9-11 uh, freak out. It's just, it wasn't around. But um, it's 2005, so it's back. My friend Jamie from art school 
has scored some vials of some good, high-quality liquid LSD. She gives me a call. She's like, I've tried it out. Uh, it's great. Come get you some. So I get a little pack of Sweets Hearts, which are the uh, perfect candy for the purpose. They've got that little concave cup on one side. Drop the liquid acid in there. Give it a couple minutes. Bada boom, bada bing. You're good to go. So I'm at Jamie's house, and um, she's dropping out my hits of acid, and the vial runs out. Um, so she puts the lid on and tosses it into her desk drawer and uh, gets a freshie and starts dropping out the rest of my hits. So I'm like looking at this desk drawer, and as casually as possible, I say, what do you do with all the empty ones? And um, she's like, I don't do anything with them. I just throw them in the desk drawer. That's an acid dealer for you, you know? And um, so I say, I'm getting 10. You just want to give me one of the empty vials just for the hell of it? She's like, yeah, sure. So I got my, my pack of acid sweet tarts, got my empty vial of acid. I'm headed home. And um, I decide I'm just going to just get a taste of what I'm working with here. Instead of taking a full hit uh, that first night, I decided to do a wash on the vial. So, I mean, it's kind of what it, kind of what it sounds like. Um, and it's kind of a roll of the dice. Might be nothing, might be something. So uh, I pour a little beer into the cap of a, I pour a little beer in the, into a bottle cap and in this ostensibly empty vial of acid, I suck up some beer, shake it around, down the hatch. Now, um, LSD is an odorless, tasteless, colorless substance. Pretty strong, um, but you can't, you can't really taste it. Um, it comes on about an hour, an average dose. When I squirted this wash into my mouth, I tasted like electricity on my tongue. And I started feeling something 10 minutes after that. So this is not a microdose, as you kids call it nowadays. This was not a macrodose, this was a heroic dose. Um, 10 minutes later, I start to feel something. And you start to feel like they call them the rising vibes and like, you just start to get these waves coming up and down your body. And so it like, this particular feeling starts like kind of down at the bottom of my spine and gets in the pit of my stomach and it gets up into my heart center. And, and I think, I don't know, maybe I should go to the bathroom because it feels like there's something like rising up. And I don't really feel sick per se, but I'm like, something's gonna come out when it gets up to all these holes in my body, you know? <laughs> Is my, is my thought process. And so I go to the bathroom and sure enough, I purge like once or twice really strongly. And I literally see light come out of my mouth. Like this funnel of light coming out of my mouth. And I look down into the toilet and there's light coming out of the toilet. Like it's like there's a flashlight in there. It's just beaming out of the toilet. And I'm like, man, this, th that was more than a little bit, you know? I go into my, uh, so I go into my living room and I'm just walking really gingerly. I'm just feeling it. And so I sit down, trying to get it together. I take a deep breath and I see the roof of my house, like, like a tornado just landed on top of me. I see the roof of my house pulled off. I'm seeing plaster and boards and shingles flying up into the sky. And then I'm staring up into just this full night sky. I get to see stars everywhere. And I look around and the room, um, the living room, my living room is starting to like change into what looks like a temple, like this earthen structure. Like I'm seeing carved columns and statues and there's like vines hanging everywhere. 
And where my television used to be is now a hearth, this sacrificial fireplace. And I'm sitting in this temple and I'm looking at the open sky. And, and at this, at certain doses of acid, it doesn't matter if your eyes are open or closed. I don't know if my eyes are open or closed. This is, this is what was going down. And as I'm looking around, the temple starts to change. Um, the columns become like, I realize like a musculature, like a rib cage. And the vines start to become like blood vessels. And I realize I'm inside the chest of some larger being and I'm seated right where the heart would be. And so I look up into the sky to try to see the face of, see the face of this being that I'm inside of. And every time I turn my head up, this being turns his head up. And so I can only see the universe. And then I look down and my chest has been splayed open like I'm in open heart surgery and I can see down into my chest, my ribs, my veins, my lungs. And where my heart is, I see who I recognize to be Jesus Christ sitting with his legs crossed and his head down. So I can't see his face. I can just see the back of his head. And every time I look up to try to see the big being's face, God's face, he looks up. And so I can only see the universe. And every time I look down to try to catch Jesus' face, he looks down. And I can only see the back of his head bowed in prayer and meditation. And it's like where these divine Russian dolls. Like I see like this never ending cascade of me inside God and God inside me and me inside God and God inside me. And it never ends. And in my acid brain, and I don't know if this is the next morning or right then, I don't know, like time, time ceases to exist at a certain point. But I'm thinking about the experience and I realize I'm in my living room and like, I'm, the universe is a living room. I mean, this is, okay, this is acid brain. This is how you think on acid. I'm like, I'm in my living room. Everywhere is a living room. And then this phrase like comes in my head like, well, you know, home is where the heart is. And I was like, God is where my heart is. And it like, it just, it, it was so elaborate, but so simple. It was like, yeah, God is inside you and you're inside God. And that's where you feel at home. And that's where God feels at home. And that's where you feel at home. And that's where God's at home. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's the time I saw God on LSD. <laughs> I guess we should always assume that a glass or a vial is never truly empty. Worth repeating is now a book. Trinity University Press and TPR are proud to present Worth Repeating San Antonio stories featuring 40 true narratives. Pick one up at the next live event on December 12th. Your support funds programs like these. This program was made possible by Niche at Pearl. More than clothing, Niche at Pearl features jewelry, accessories, and crafting events. For this and more information, visit nicheatpearl.com. That's it for the Worth Repeating podcast. Do us a favor and give us a like, subscribe, or review us wherever you stream podcasts. Support for Worth Repeating comes from the 8020 Foundation, the City of San Antonio Department of Arts and Culture, and Niche at Pearl. Worth Repeating is a production of Texas Public Radio. I'm Tori Poole. Thanks for listening.